Lord, for loving us. Lord, as we kind of put this topic of suffering out in front of us, uh, Lord, we all understand here there are no easy answers. Lord, as much as we would love to have an easy answer in this life, on this earth, it's just not a reality. Lord, that many have endured a lot of things. And Lord, I pray today, God, that uh, even as we talk about this over the next few weeks, Lord, that we would have hope in the midst of despair. Lord, in those times of our suffering, that we would have joy that is unspeakable and full of glory, that we would have peace that surpasses understanding. And that, Lord, we as a church, we would just take that honest look for what you're saying, what you're doing in the midst of it. God, speak to our hearts. We open our hearts to you today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Um, so again, over these next six weeks, we are going to be taking an honest and open look at the topic of suffering. If you were here a couple of weeks ago, Tim and Allie Turhort, they don't go to our church here, but they were here and they shared their story, their journey of uh, losing their four-month-old baby girl suddenly had no previous health things and I mean, it was just a tragic moment that they literally went from putting her in the bed that night to 45 minutes later being in the emergency room with doctors saying, you know, you need to help for your final good body. It's a couple that love God. They serve Jesus. And they, if you were here, you heard that story. It's, just a, it's a painful story to hear. But as we are going to be talking today in this life, it is a reality suffering. And that doesn't mean that we, you know, kind of this is like, you know, six weeks of pneumonia. We're all going to be depressed after six weeks. And, and that's not my hope at all, is, is that we honestly look at it, but that we come out from a godly perspective on this idea of suffering. I heard someone say once that you're either going through suffering, you've gone through something of suffering, or you will at some point. And so there is a reality to it. So what do we do with suffering? Why is there suffering? Have you ever had that question? If we believe in a God who is all-powerful, all-known, and that He is good, why does He allow suffering? Have you ever had that question? Have you ever wrestled with that question? My hopes are that we can wrestle with these questions. We especially look at it when it comes to the innocent children. We a lot of times have that question. How do we walk with someone who is suffering in a godly way? When I was uh, initially interviewing Tim and Allie that we were going to be you know, having them come and I talked with them on the phone and kind of told them, I said, we're going to be doing this series on suffering and she cut in right there and she said, thank you for doing that. She said, you know, we never had anything prior to that, that we could even compare this to and so you don't know what to do with it. And so the church really hasn't talked about it much. She, and so she's like, thank you for talking about this because people need to process 
to the church needs to talk about it, but not give package uh, answers. Amen. Allie describes suffering and what they went through as a holy mystery. And that's a really good description of it. How do we get our head around it? How do we reconcile these things? And again, some of those big questions. If God is good, if He's all-powerful, He's all-knowing, He could do something about it if He wanted to, but He doesn't for some reason. Why? Why? So through this series, my goal isn't just that we come up again with half religious answers to these questions. In fact, I'll go a step further than that, not to assume that we're going to have all the right answers to these questions. But here's my goal. My hope and my prayer is that we draw closer to Jesus than we ever have. That we ultimately find Him in a deeper way, love Him more in spite of suffering. And so how do we do that? With that said, we're going to look at suffering from a biblical perspective. I don't think it does us any good to, to do it from a worldly perspective, a humanist perspective. I'm not saying that things in culture or human reasoning sometimes doesn't come up with making some good thought or good process, but that's not going to really give us eternal help. But a biblical perspective, because as we look at the Bible, one of the things I love about the Bible, and like if you've read it and you have like, why this and that, and this is confusing to me, it's a, it's a story about real people that went through real things like you and me. Sometimes we tend to all of these people as heroic, and if you read, you read what they went through and the questions that they had and the struggles that they had, you will see a lot of you and me in them. They struggled. They had questions. So we're going to look at what God says about it, what, what God says about suffering. What did Jesus talk about suffering? What, what did the apostles say about suffering? And I think as we track along, you'll be surprised at what you will find there. And if you let it, I believe it will open your heart and touch you and minister to you with the reality of Christ and the reality of the Holy Spirit in a way that maybe you never thought possible. And I know this will be kind of hard because it stirs up some things, especially when you've gone through so much. And it kind of, you know, reopens sometimes the wounds. Sometimes it's a very good, good thing to do. Sometimes it's a very healthy thing is to allow God to kind of go back into those places and heal those deep places. And so my encouragement to you is this. Open up to Him again. I believe God's Word holds the key to help us because it ultimately reveals Jesus. He's the living Word, and it reveals Him, and He is who we need. I like when if you were here for the movie last week, and we watched the movie about suffering, and in there, you know, this girl has lost a lot, this young lady, and the pastor in that movie, you know, he's talking about that the Word of God, and, you know, sometimes even when we throw out scriptures to people, it's true, but it may not be helpful at the moment. And that's what that passage says. It may not be helpful for the moment, but at some point it will help. I thought that was so good. 
Because there again, when someone is going through it, they don't really need you just to kind of give a burst of scripture and say, well, just believe this, you know, you know, God is good. They know God is good deep within, but right now, this is not good, and they don't know what to do. So, we'll get into that in, in another week of how to walk with people through it, but I'm not going to jump into that too much right now. So today, we want to talk about the reality of suffering. No one's exempt from it. Suffering is synonymous with loss. It touches all of us directly or indirectly. In other words, you've gone through it, or you know someone close to you that has endured much. And here's a few manifestations of, of suffering. The obvious one is loss of a loved one that is close to you. And that can be, you know, a parent, a spouse, a child. And a lot of times, and, and even as I say that, in our mind, don't we categorize suffering that that's bad and that's not as bad? Like we think of a parent that's really old and they passed away. It's, it's better than losing a child. Um, and then sometimes we categorize, but you know what? When you're in suffering, it's all suffering. Even when, you know, I've had people when I'm when I, just being a pastor and you walk with people through like losing their a parent and some people are almost apologetic, like oh, their parent will be well advanced in years and they're, and they're grieving and they're, they're like, you know, well, I know that they were, you know, whatever, 98, 99, and 96. And, and you know, I just, you know, but it's real. Don't, don't diminish that it's lost because you've lived life with them. You've had 90-something years with this person. It's no less suffering and grieving. And I understand that there is, a, you know, at least they had a long, full life and we can kind of think through that, but the loss is still real. So that's an obvious one when we lose someone. Prolonged sickness. You know, a lifelong disease that is just there and you've lived with it and you, or you know someone close to you that lived with it or a deformity a special need that maybe you're dealing with or someone you love has, is living with it another way of suffering is aloneness people that are alone and they suffer through being alone chronic pain Sometimes it's financial suffering. You can't ever seem to get over it. It's always something going on. can't get over the hump. Sometimes it's a loss of a relationship that was devastating, an unfaithful spouse, a divorce that tore the family and affected the spouse, but also maybe your parents went through that and it was painful and you had suffered because of it. Some people have endured abuse, mental, emotional, verbal, physical, sexual abuse, and they're thinking, what do you, what do, you do with that? And the tendency is I'm suffering, and I medicate myself with other things which cause the greater suffering, and they're trying to figure out how to get out of this. A huge life event that comes from my like broken trust, loss of employment, infertility, Maybe a dream that you had that died. Or again, you're suffering for someone else. You know, you would do anything to alleviate it. 
hope that was lost, maybe an accident that caused trauma, emotional, maybe it's a war type thing. We've seen a lot of people, there's a lot of talk about PTSD and that can be in, 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 in people that have been off at war or law enforcement, people that have endured these traumatic events and now that what do we do with that? We're suffering. What Molly is doing, going to you know, help people that have been affected by natural disaster. And with all of this, you know what? There is, there is no distinction between the people of God and the people of the world. You know, when those hurricanes or those devastating tornadoes come in, they, they take it. There's these churches that are devastated. There are wonderful Christian people that die. And so there's really no distinction with what is going on when we endure it. So you hear me give this list. Who here has endured suffering in some way, directly or indirectly? It affects us all. And so that's why I think we need to talk about it. You know, sometimes we look at world stuff. Why do so many kids die of starvation, preventable diseases, natural, again, natural disasters that do so much damage. But you know, mostly we wrestle in suffering through the personal stuff that we are walking through. Because in some ways that, you know, especially if you're watching the news or something that's happening across the world, it feels like it's almost like you're watching a movie. It's hard to connect with that. Not that you don't feel bad or have empathy. But it really touches us when it's personal stuff. Suffering is a reality in this life. And so, you know, I talked about some of those hard questions. Have you ever had those hard questions? Have you ever asked those hard questions? Have you ever processed those hard questions? Why? Why God? I have done it. And I've shared this story, you know, uh, numerous times, but uh, when, when Athena's mom uh, passed away and she was diagnosed with breast cancer and she passed away in 1996, I can tell you this, I wrestled a lot. I, I, I loved her deeply. She was really a second mom to me, um, kind of a family joke, but I was kind of her favorite, right? And, you know, and I, <laughs> I don't know why. We, we just hit it off, but I, she, just, she, she loved me, and that was great. Um, but I loved her deeply, and the thing that you know I wrestled with, again, she was a woman of God. She was a woman of faith. She had more faith in her female than I would ever have in my whole body. And she prayed for healing literally all over the world because of the relationships they had. All over the world people were praying for her healing and fasting and she had healing evangelists pray for her and she walked in so much confidence that God was going to heal her that you feel her confidence and it was just like, well, this is, you know, we all just were convinced of it. Yeah, at some point she's going to get better. I know it's not looking good right now, but it, it, you know, she's going to get better. And then she died. And, you know, I, I mean, I know for myself and Athena, you know, it, it, it kind of sent us into a lot of questions. I begin to read books on healing and God, why is he can't get healed? I don't, I don't know if I have a shot if I ever get sick. There's a reality to suffering, and I ask those questions. 
But here's the cool thing. We're not alone in asking those questions. When you look at the Scriptures, Abraham asked these questions. Did not the judge of the world judge fairly? Yeah, Abraham. Isn't that a... Isn't that just kind of a legitimate question? Moses. Moses asked a lot of questions, and one of the questions is, why don't you treat your people as they deserve? Jeremiah asked this question. You ever had this one? Why do the wicked prosper? Asaph asked that same question in, in Psalm 73. I mean, he's kind of irritated with God. He's like, you know, I look around and here we are serving you and we're kind of going through some stuff and I see these wicked people and they just seem to have it all together and it seems like nothing rains on their parade. What's going on here? I mean, he, he's, he's upset. And this is a psalm that's in the Bible. David continually asked questions like, why won't you listen to me? Why won't you answer my prayer? Where are you? In fact, I want to take a look at Psalm 13. This is the beginning of that psalm, verses 1 through 4. This is such an honest, transparent prayer. I love David. I love his heart. But listen to what he asked and see if you can relate to this a little bit, written some thousands of years ago. How long, Lord, will you forget me? Forever? You ever felt like that? How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? You ever pray those prayers and you feel like, what am I talking to right now? It doesn't feel like God is a million miles away. And it just feels like it doesn't really matter. That David is feeling this. How long will you hide? In other words, he's like, God, you're hiding from me. I'm, I'm looking around. I'm praying. I'm seeking you. And it seems like you're one step ahead of me and you're like running around the corner trying to get away from me. Because he, he was enduring many things, and if you read the history of it, he was enduring quite a bit. Like he was chased, you know, he chased by Saul, he was afraid for his life, and, and he's sitting there going, God, I'm, I'm trying to have a godly perspective. I mean, there's times when I could have done something wrong, and I, and I loved you, and I, and I did the right thing. Not that he was ever perfect, because we know Bathsheba came some years later. But he's, he's wrestling. How long will you hide your face? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemies triumph over me? Doesn't it feel like sometimes that the enemy has the upper hand? Finally, just this desperate look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death, and my enemy will say I've overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. Just a great, honest, honest prayer. And God allowed it to be in Scripture, I think, again, not to depress us, but to encourage us that we're not alone in the struggle. I love His honesty. I love His transparency. We need a little transparency among us. God isn't intimidated by our hard questions. I mean, David is called a man after God's own heart. I think God loved this because he understood relationship. God, I don't get it. Man, this is hard. And God's like, I, I like the dialogue. Now, ultimately, allow your questions to lead you toward him and not away from him. Because we, or people around us, we wrestle with these big questions that sometimes lead us to crisis questions and conclusions if we're not careful. 
Again, it's not wrong to process things, but sometimes if God is good and in control, then why will He do something? How can I trust Him? And so then I draw this conclusion, He's either not in control, or He isn't good, or He isn't personal, like people have said. Or the ultimate thing is then He just doesn't exist. So again, my, my heart, that as we walk through this series, that no matter what you've gone through or going through, or will go through, that you will be able to see the goodness of God and put your hope, your faith, and trust in Him in a new way, even though you might have questions. So the encouraging thing today is that you're not alone. You look around and saw the hands raised. We look in the Scripture. Those guys and those ladies have some questions for God. And if that's not enough, we can hold on to what Jesus says because there is a reality to suffering. And here's the thing. We can't pretend that it doesn't exist. Let's look at what Jesus tells us. This is probably a... This is probably one of the best... Scriptures on suffering. Because Jesus Himself, the King of Kings, the Lord Lord, the Savior of the world, makes an, this obvious statement here that doesn't try to shy away, but He says this In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Notice He does not say, In this world you might have suffering. In this world, you will have suffering unless you do this and this and this and you do this formula or this kind of prayer or whatever, then, then you won't have suffering. He says you will have suffering in this world, but here, here's the good news. Take heart. I've overcome the world. Now, in context, he's talking to his disciples. This is John 16. John 13 through 17 is he's with his disciples before his arrest and ultimately his crucifixion. And so John 16, this is a, in the context that he is getting ready to be arrested. He's getting ready to be beaten and crucified. And so he's saying to his disciples, guys, understand that in this world you will have trouble. Little did they know what was ahead of them. Jesus, their leader, was going to die. Remember, they, he would talk about that the Son of Man would go and he's going to die. You know, they couldn't wrap their heads around what he meant. They knew he was king. They saw his authority and power. And they thought, man, nah, he's just kind of, you know, he's using metaphors and he's not really going to die. And uh, we're going to, at some point, take over together. But little did they know what was right in front of them, that their leader, the Savior of the world, the King of Kings, was going to go through what he went through. And then, not only was their leader going to go through it, ultimately, they all were going to go through it. They all would eventually suffer greatly. Because they needed those words. They were going to need those words at some very hard times when suffering was going to be great. They were going to need to lean on those words and remember back that Jesus said, in this world, you will have to remember, guys, He promised it. We're going to need this later on. Little did they know when he said it what was going to happen for them and them. They would be persecuted for following Jesus. They would be chased, arrested, tormented, tortured, 
and executed. Unimaginable suffering these guys were going to endure. All of them, except one, John. And it's not like his life was filled with cupcakes and rainbows. He was boiled in oil. That didn't kill him, and so they sent him to a prison island of Patmos to live out his day. So just in case they, yeah, we're like, well, John, you know, it's funny because you say, everybody died a martyr. Well, John didn't. Well, it's not like John was like, you know, this is not a, a Christmas present for John. He endured some heavy suffering and lived out his days. Ultimately, Jesus gave him the, Revelation, the book of Revelation while he was on the island of Patmos. But they, they were tortured, tormented, and, and ultimately died. And through these darkest moments, I imagine they had doubts and questions. You think? His arrest and crucifixion, they, they doubted. They, they remember they, they, they fled when they saw it going down when he was arrested. It says they ran away. They thought he was going to take over. And then ultimately he rose from the dead, remember? And the, the, the ladies who first went and found him, they went and told them. And you would think that they would be going, yes, he's, a, he's risen. What did they do at first? I'm going to believe you. We saw what happened. We understand what happened. We saw him beaten to a bloody mess. We saw him crucified. There's no way he could be alive. And so they had questions and they doubted. <clears throat> or just, let me take it over here a step further. This isn't working out how we thought it would. Have you ever had that process? This isn't working out how I thought it would. This isn't working out how I prayed it would. I prayed and believed and believed and prayed and cried and wept and prayed and cried and wept and prayed and this is not working out how I thought it was going to work out. The disciples had that same story. This is not working out how I thought it would. And so they had questions. They had a lot of questions when they were with him. I mean, they doubted. They were filled with unbelief at times. And he challenged them on that. But in those darkest moments, when they were, you know, Peter crucified upside down, one of the disciples was filleted alive with knives. And I'm trying to be sensational. I'm saying these guys endure some heavy things. That's a torturous death to try to get him to recant his faith in Christ. And in those moments, I imagine that that is when the questions are the loudest. Right? Lord, where are you? Where are you? But here's the thing that separated them and why we can have hope. They saw Him resurrected. The resurrection is the greatest event that we hold, um, that, we, that, we, that we, we put all of our chips in as Christians and we say, I'm all in because we rose from the dead. That's what the disciples did. If they had not seen Him resurrected, they would have said, this is all fake and we're going to go live all of our lives and do something else. But why they sold out, why they said we're all in is because we saw Him resurrected. And then their message ultimately when the gospel and ultimately to the apostles and ultimately to us is, don't forget in history past, do not forget, church, he rose from the dead. He's resurrected, and we will endure this. Yes, we will have questions, but the great hope is that he is still he is not still in the grave, he is alive. So he is who he said he was. If there is no resurrection, as Paul said, then we're all to be pitied indeed that there is a resurrection. Jesus rose from the dead. They knew who he was. 
And so they gave their lives fully to him, literally their lives. They died for him. They died for his cause. They fully surrendered to him no matter what would come. In other words, they probably had the questions, but they said, you go ahead and pull me with knives. You go ahead and crucify me up to them. We have the idea that Peter, when they were going to crucify him, even in that moment where he remembered Christ, he said, crucify me upside down because I'm not worthy to die like my Lord. Go ahead and do what you want because I know Jesus is who he said he was. I know he's real. And it doesn't matter. There's no amount of suffering that's going to turn my heart away from him. Do, what, do whatever you have to do. So they finished well, and they didn't finish railing against him with wine. And if you look at their story, and you look at the apostles that came, yeah, the, or they as apostles, you look at Paul and the first century church, Jesus, suffering was a reality to them. It was, they, they just understood, if I'm a follower of Christ, I'm going to suffer. It was a part of the passage. They did not ever think, and if you look at the writings of Paul, that if you follow Christ, you are going to be absent from suffering. They, you just never see that. Now, does God intervene at times in the affairs of man? Yes, He does. Does God heal? Yes, He does. Does God touch and sometimes rescue? He absolutely does. But there again, why sometimes and not other times? That's the holy mystery that we will jump in in later weeks. But they saw suffering as a part of the promise to follow Christ. They put their hope and their confidence in Him that although it was horrible, at the moment they could take heart and they remembered His words. Guys, in this world you will have trouble. But what does it say? Take heart. Right? Take heart. Why? Because I overcame the world. I, I have overcome the world. They could not let their hope die, not let their faith collapse because they could take heart because they believed him. They could take heart because he said, I am, I, I, they could believe that he was who he said he was. They could take heart because he overcame the world and the circumstances that, although the circumstances in this life are very real, that he's still the overcoming, overcoming king. They could take heart because in him all the trials and hardships and sufferings are temporary. Temporary. And so they could take heart. I think ultimately he was speaking and take heart because in me, I think of what he said, in me, although you suffer, although it's not the end of your story. It's not the defining thing of your story. It's not the end game of your story. Let's go to, let's see what. David said at the end of that one, remember the honesty of verses 1 through 4? And here's what he says. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. And I love that those are together, you know, the, the verse 4 and then, and then these, because what he's saying here is, although I don't get it, although I don't understand it, although it doesn't make human sense to me, I'll trust in your unfailing love. God, I know that you love me. Lord, I, I know I have salvation in you. And because of that, you're good. Because of that, you're good. Your love is unfailing. And I'll remember what you have done. 
And then we fast forward to the Apostle Paul. I'm going to end with this. Paul, um, you know, you know his story. He was a Pharisee before he came to know Christ, and his name was Saul. And he was a part of rounding up Christians, arresting them, and having them executed. He was a part of that group that was doing that. And then Jesus confronts him, and he gives his life to Christ, and Christ changes and transforms, transforms his life. I love reading Paul because it gives hope for any of us. This guy was a killer, a murderer of Christians. And God changed him. No matter what your past, no matter what your sin, God can change your life, transform you, and make you a vessel of honor to love God and to do things in and through you that you never thought were possible. I love Paul, but as Paul followed Christ, he endured major suffering. And he doesn't he doesn't shy away from telling us about that stuff, and uh, I'm going to get into some of that later on. But I mean, he was he was beaten, he was imprisoned, he was left for dead, he was stoned twice, not by joints but by rocks. People beat him and left him alone, and, and you know, I imagine at times he had those questions about where he at. Yet he remained faithful to Christ. Why, why did he remain faithful? Because he believed what Jesus had told his disciples, although he was not one at the time. He believed the reality of Christ because of their testimony. He and, and his testimony and him seeing Christ, he said, I am all in. But here's what he said in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. So sound familiar. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Does that sound familiar? When Jesus tells it, in this world you will have trouble, but what did he say? Take heart. Then in John 14, remember the famous passage of, don't let your heart be troubled, Jesus says to them. You believe in God, you believe also in me and my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would tell you that I'm going to prepare a place for you, that where I am you may be also. And so Jesus and these several things is don't lose heart. There's going to be some things. There's going to be some, some things that you endure. Don't lose heart. And Paul says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away. Isn't that just the honesty there? And the day you're born is the day you begin to waste away in this life. So that though we're wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And then what does he say? For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Isn't that awesome? What is Paul saying? He's saying this, although we're wasting away, although we're enduring a lot of hardship, he said it's light and it's temporary compared to Jesus. It's temporary because we have et- the eternal that we're hoping for. And I think that we can apply that same promise to us today. So I believe the Lord wants to renew hope in someone here today that no matter what you've gone through or are going through, to renew your faith and renew your strength and renew your heart. 
and Jesus' words to his followers. And Paul's words are then to us, his followers now. In this world, you will have trouble. Suffering is a reality. But we can take heart today. You don't have to lose heart. Because Jesus ultimately overcame the world. I have overcome the world. You can take heart because Jesus is alive. You can take heart that He sees you and He understands you. Because in a couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about Jesus' response to suffering. He is the one in all of history that can look at every human being on planet Earth and go, I know how you feel. Because unless you walk through someone's story or you've gone through what they've gone through and you guys know and you understand that's one of those silly things. You can't say I know how you feel unless you really know how they feel. It's, it's, it's almost illegal to say that. But Jesus says, I love you and I understand you. You can take heart because of who He is and that who He is and who He said He was is a reality and it's true. You can take heart today because although your circumstances on the earth may not change, Someone loves you deeply and has overcome this world. You can take heart today because no matter how hard your trials and your pain or suffering is, if you belong to Jesus, it's temporary. It's temporary. No matter how hard it gets, it's temporary because you were not created just to live for this earth, but you were created for eternity. And the King of kings and the Lord of lords who gave his life and the disciples why they would endure what they went through and the testimony of their martyrdom, the testimony of them dying for their faith is a screaming testimony to us and they're all saying, we died because it's real. We died because it's true. We died because he's really alive and he's in heaven and there is reality to eternity. If that weren't true, we wouldn't have done that. And so they speak to us a testimony of their martyrdom to say it's real. And then guess what? You can take heart because all of this life and all of it we go through is all temporary because of Jesus. And that's what Paul says. We live and we keep our eyes on what is unseen because it's eternal and this life is temporary. Whatever we go through and whether we're alleviated or not, when we close our eyes in death, when we belong to Him, He will be there. And it will all be worth it. And we'll say, it was temporary. To hear Him say the words, well done, good and faithful servant, we're going to say it was temporary. We pray for you. Jesus, we, the greatest heart is to fix our eyes on you this morning. And Lord, I pray, God, for people that are here, Lord, um, whatever they're going through. And again, I, I, my heart is that none of this would have been some sort of pat answer. Because it's real when you're going through it, when you're walking through it, it's real, it's hard, and you have questions. And so, Lord, I'm praying right now for those who are going through a season of suffering. Or maybe they have gone through, Lord, and it's just, they, it's just been difficult. And 
and they're trying to figure out how to get out of this thing, and, and they're still kind of spiraling. And, but with, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if, if that's you, if you, if you have walked with some immediate, and, you know, and, and again, don't diminish if you really were hunting through it, it could have been years ago, it could be something you're going through now, but it just seems like that, it seems to be a weight on your heart almost all the time when you're, when you're walking, and it could be a season of something that you're going through right now. Could you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you this morning. Thank you for that. Okay, you put those down. And I just wanted to, uh, you know, again, more than our hands, I had this, the Lord's peace with Paul. I just want to pray for you, God. Lord, you see the hands that were raised, and Lord, I pray for the reality of your presence, the reality of your spirit as our comforter, as our healer, Lord, that you would just draw near to each one of them right now. God, that your presence would just uh, walk with them through, Lord, and again, now that we look just for some sort of happiness or the reality of your presence, that Lord, you sent your Holy Spirit to be our counselor, to reveal Christ to us, to reveal the power of God to us. And so, Lord, we're asking that you would just, in a new and fresh way, just send your Holy Spirit into their hearts and their minds to comfort them and to counsel them as only you can. Lord, human words are just that. But for a moment with you can do so much. Lord, I pray today, God, that as we uh, wrap this portion of the service up, God, that uh, we all be reminded that in Christ, no matter what we endure, it's temporary. And that, Lord, every day, every day we would we would get up, we would fix our eyes on you, we would surrender our hearts to you and our minds and our lives giving you our lives every day because it will be worth it when we see you face to face. Lord, help us never to forget that. Lord, help the suffering not destroy our hearts. Help the suffering, Lord, um, help us to run closer to you and not away from you. Let the questions lead us to you and not away from you. Because, Lord, one day it will be worth it. Thank you, Jesus, for your love and your grace. In Jesus' name. We're going to take